Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. singing just then I think you know the Lord said his mercy is fresh and new every day and this is no relation on Wednesday night service but we don't come in here with a leftover remnant of Wednesday night we come in here and God is willing to touch and just minister and renew us hallelujah with just a fresh touch of his anointing and his spirit because this is a spiritual experience. If I come in here with just my natural tendencies, thinking I'm going to receive something of the Lord, I will not. Um, he said, if you worship me, it's going to be in spirit and in truth. So I'm missing the boat. If I think I can come here with my natural abilities and get what God wants, I can't do it. It's got to be in a spiritual term that I receive, and that's what I want. I want God to touch us and strengthen us, and I know he will. So let's pray. And ask God to touch us. Father, I praise you most of all. I thank you, Lord God, that, Father, that we know who you are. So I ask you to touch and to strengthen our minds, our hearts, our bodies, Lord God, that we may receive of your hand, of your spirit, Lord God. We want the knowledge, the truth of this word, Lord God, implanted in us, Lord God, that we may share, that we may impart, Lord God, that we may reap that we may touch, Lord God, and strengthen our bodies, Lord God, our minds, our spirits, Lord God, with what you would give us, Lord God. Touch us this day, each and every part of us, Lord God, each and every part of this church, Lord God. Have your way, God. Touch us. Anoint us, Lord God, for the work of the ministry, Lord God. Strengthen us this day. Anoint our minds, Lord God, to receive of your spirit, God, I pray. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, I pray this day. Amen. You may be seated. I want to, with the Lord's help, um, felt this for a while, but um, I just want to speak of a man that if you've been around church any time at all, if you've grew up in church, or if you've been around church, you've heard of this man. And some people claim that it's the story is so literally incredible that it cannot be true. So... That being the story of Jonah. And when you read, if you read any of the commentary of Jonah, they say, because one thing you will find, Jonah is not very much to it. It just has four chapters, 48 verses, 1,321 words. So if, but one thing, if you read the whole book, it says very little about his conduct or his character. It just, some commentaries even say, who would write a story this bad about themselves? So it has to be written by Jonah himself. So God told him to do this. He sent him on a mission. Now what I want you to try to do, like I say, most of us, Probably 99.9 of us has heard the story of Jonah. But like I've said so many times, we, when we speak or when we share God's word, most of people has heard it, but they hadn't heard it from our perspective. So this is what I'm going to endeavor to do with the Lord's help is just speak of Jonah from my perspective. But we, like I say, we hear this story, we hear this man's, incredible odyssey of what he went through and every time I speak of a character out of the Old Testament 
I'm not just going back in time in my mind and just relate and just speaking of a fantasy that someone went through. I'm not. The purpose that I have is to go back and look at what God did, bring that up to 2017, and how may that benefit me and how that may benefit the church. That is my goal. I'm not just talking about something great and fantastic that happened. I have a goal and a purpose. And that's what I intend to do is to show how that, what he went through, can help us. And I believe it can. So when we read of these, we just, we get in, we're just flesh and blood. We just get in our mind and just say, look at what this man went through. But yet, he was ordained for that. You know, and then that is why I believe that the Lord's brother, God anointed James of the Holy Ghost and said, you tell my people that Elijah was a man just like them. Don't let them leave this story. Don't let them leave the story of Elijah thinking, yes, but he was Elijah. You left that man alone. You didn't dare cross swords with him because he was Elijah. No, don't dare let them leave that with that mentality. You tell them he was a man just like them and that when he prayed, heaven moved. You leave them with a realization that they are just like Elijah. When they pray, I will listen. Don't let them think that, yeah, but he was Elijah. He's way up here and my people's way down here. No, here's Elijah and here's my people. That is what God anointed James to write. He had the same pitfalls, failures as you do. It's what he was trying to say, I believe. And he was just like us in the flesh. He was just like us. So why did God call Jonah? God knew how Jonah was going to react. But I don't know why God called Jonah. But anyway, I just wrestled with some titles. I I just finally wound up with Jonah. I thought about Jonah, the man on the run. Jonah from Nineveh with attitude. Jonah, I'm here, but I don't like it. I don't know. You could take your pick. I mean, literally, you can read in the story. It is not the Sunday school lesson, and I'm not throwing rocks at no Sunday school lesson. But when you read the whole picture of this book, this man had an anger issue. And his last words prove it. But in the middle of the book, and I will read it, I believe he got through it. But at the end, it's, it's still like, I'm still working on it. I'm still a work in progress. But I know where my help comes from. But I'm still working on it. And so many times, so many times, that's life. I know where my help comes from. My help don't come from out there. I'm telling you, I got enough sense to know. It don't get bad enough for me to look out there. Because if I look out there, I'm lost. I'm telling you, I'm not in my right mind. I know where my help comes from. And I believe Jonah was saying that. I know where my help comes from. Yes, I got some anger issues, but I know where my help comes from. It is just like Jacob. When he was traveling to meet Esau, and we talk about Jacob wrestling with the angel, Jacob thought... Here is another illustration that that we can learn from. Jacob just pursued thought in his mind that his enemy was Esau. And I believe him wrestling with an angel was the lesson that he could learn is not. Esau is not the enemy. What did he learn? He learned the enemy was himself. He wrestled with that angel all night until the break of day until God touched him only to realize that I've wrestled all night long with myself. I'm the issue, not Esau. And the Bible proved that. So it's just like Jonah. I don't know. There's so many and what I want you to get is try to put your shoes in Jonah's, try to put yourself in Jonah's shoes is what I'm trying to say. Here it is, God called this man to go to Nineveh and give them a message. It's not as simple as it sounds, I promise you. So he takes, he was from Galilee, basically Nazareth, 
He ministered under the reign of Jeroboam II. First and foremost, he was a prophet. He's not some guy just picked off the street. Jonah was a prophet to Israel, meaning of the northern kingdom. So he was a prophet of the Lord. Other words, what that means is we know he spoke as thus saith the Lord to the people. So why did Jonah run? I don't know. I have some ideas, but they're just a theories. But other words, when God told Jonah, you go to Nineveh, and he turned and ran, this is not just a, this man was a prophet. So what I'm saying, it was not a hangnail, as we would say, that caused him to run. Something serious caused this man to run. It is not like, oh, man, Nineveh. No. Something was going on in his life, for he was a prophet. It was, thus saith the Lord to the people. And, and Jonah said, no, I don't think so. Nineveh? <laughs> You've got to be kidding. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not going to Nineveh. Now, it's interesting to me, and this didn't skip me, the phrase, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now, normally, we know what that means, to give to the people. The word of the Lord came to Jonah is seven times recorded in the book of Jonah. Now, normally, that would be to give to the people. It's a theory of mine. This is me. Normally, that to a prophet, that is to give to the people. I think that is in direct opposite. I think the word of the Lord came to Jonah God in his mercy was to get to Jonah to go to Nineveh. Normally to the prophet, it was to be the share with Nineveh. He gave Jonah one message. You go tell them in 40 days, their city's fixing to be overthrown. But seven times meaning, God didn't leave him alone to his mission was complete. Seven times God came to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Seven times, and I believe it's direct opposite what we would normally think. But here again, Jonah's running, but God won't leave him alone. So I believe that literally speaks to us. He was, now get this. This is another thing I found. This is the only case in the Bible where a prophet of the Lord, a prophet of Jehovah, was sent to a heathen nation. And guess who it fell on? It fell on Jonah. Jonah, you have been selected to go to this heathen people and tell them they are going to receive mercy. And Jonah said, nope, not me. I'm running, okay? Now, get this. This is the only case in the Old Testament of a prophet refusing the commission of God's call. And both of them happened to Jonah. So here, that's why I'm trying to stay here a while. This is not just something simple with Jonah. He, he just didn't say, Lord, I really don't want to go. Something was going on simply traumatic, I would say, in this man's life. He did not want to go, but why? I don't know. But literally, Jonah wanted nothing to do with these Gentiles. I think I can clearly say that in all honesty. He wanted nothing to do with Nineveh, nothing. He was a prophet to Israel. Don't send me to these heathen. I am a prophet to the northern kingdom, but what God was trying to teach him, it's a twofold lesson, that my mercy not only pertains to you and your people, but my mercy is available to even to all, even in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it is recorded as mercy. The New Testament is recorded as grace. But we knew what God was trying to say. He was a prophet. Now, to put this in perspective, I want you to notice, look at me. If this is where Jonah lived, if this is the center point of Jonah, Jonah's life, he lived in, in Gath Helper, which is a little bit south of Nazareth. 
God said go to Nineveh. If this is Nineveh, it's 500 miles east of where Jonah lived. Bible says he goes down to Joppa, takes him a cruise, and he winds up in Tarshish, which is Spain. Okay, from here to Tarshish is 2,000 miles. So from here to here, he's 2,500 miles from where God had called him. He's a prophet. He knows that he can't run far enough. But he's thinking, if I can put enough distance between me and where God has called me to be, maybe he'll just forget it. But seven times, God, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. God said, I'm not letting it go. There is a reason for everything that happens in this book. And God said, I will not let it go. Now, what was the reason? I don't know. But God said, your mission is literally this, to go to your enemies and to bless them. And this just didn't go well with Jonah. He said, no, I am not going to do this. Now, before I go any further, what I've just, pardon me for just taking a little while here, but what I'm trying to do is put you in Jonah's shoes. Why he did this, I know what he said in the back of the book about God being merciful and being long-suffering, as we would say, yes. But I think there was more to it than that. For no prophet would do what Jonah did without there being, I think, a whole lot more going on. Let's go to Jonah, if you would. Just leave, open your Bible to Jonah and just leave it there. I'm going to read Jonah 1, 1, 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, what's amazing to me is where the Bible says that he said to do this, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against us, for their wickedness is come up before me. Their wickedness is come up before me, Nineveh. Now, we know about Cornelius, his prayers, a memorial before God, but God said Nineveh is so wicked that their wickedness is come up before me. And you, Jonah, have the task to go to them and tell them that if they'll repent, I'll forego their uh, overthrowing. But number three, there is so much that's going on in number three. But Jonah rose up to flee. He rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Keep in mind, this is a prophet doing this. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare thereof, went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I don't, this is one of them, what were you thinking? Here is Jonah, something is driving him. Something is gone wrong in his flesh, and he is saying, I have got to get away from this. I know what God has called me to do, but if I can put enough distance between me and them, that maybe God will relieve me of this. Well, God will not. He will not relieve him of this. Now, the city that God called him to go to was Nineveh. It was the, uh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was a large and prominent city in its day. And historians say that Nineveh was the largest city at that time. But the true question that begs is what made Jonah run? And that, I don't know. But the Bible tells us this. In Genesis, when God asked Cain, he said, What is this thou hast done? 
The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And what I believe that literally says to us as a church or to humanity in general, not to the church, to humanity in general. When he asked Cain, what is this thou hast done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. To me, you don't have to buy this. This is from me. This is what I believe that verse says. Is God himself established from the very beginning of humanity the guilty would not go unpunished. No matter, it doesn't matter what court in the land, you could have someone take the life of someone and the court in the land set them free. But God said, the guilty will not go unpunished. I believe that is what God is established from the very beginning. So, what made Jonah run? Number one, he's going to Nineveh, which is the capital of the Assyrian Empire. If you read, the cruelties of this people was beyond the mind. I pulled up and read, and I will not, I will have respect for this desk, and I will not mention the cruelties that I read, but you just take my word for it. They are beyond imaginations, the cruelties of this people. They was vile and wicked beyond imaginations. I have not even heard of some of the cruelties that these people did. One thing that I will mention, I read that they said that their devastation and their cruelty was such widespread that cities in their path would literally take their own life rather than be subject to their cruelties. They were so mean. I don't know what Jonah's issue was. Now, these was a true enemy of Israel. Now, what God was doing, he was telling Israel, you will not praise me, you will not repent, Somehow God knew, I say that lightly, that Nineveh was going to repent. So God said, I'm going to send a prophet to them. They will repent. So this is all working out in the mind of God who sees the end from the beginning. So he was going to use Nineveh as a testimony against Israel. So, but I don't know, and this is just a theory of mine, I don't know if Jonah had lost family to the Assyrian people. I don't know, or, or it's just them killing his own nation, his own nationality people. I don't know what it was. But this I do know. No prophet gets up and goes 2,500 miles from where God has called him and does it lightly. It does not happen. This is the only time in the Old Testament this took place. So there was an issue within Jonah. You read all the way through. Literally, at the end, Jonah, when he does go to Nineveh, he just, I would say, drags him up a lawn chair, goes through, tells him 40 days, y'all got it coming, drags him up a lawn chair and just said, all right, now, now, I'm going to watch the carnage. I've told you it's coming. So something was tearing at him. But yet, he went, or he, he, he just, something was eating at him. But these people was truly the personification of evil. They was. I kid you not. If you don't believe me, you look it up. I mean, it, when the Bible says it reached from earth to heaven, their wickedness, you just take the Bible's word for it. They was truly cruel. And... Nahum, next couple chapters over, said, woe to this bloody city. I mean, literally, they had it coming, literally. Now, God said, go. He went all right. He just went in the opposite direction. God said, go east. He went west, literally. Now, he did that. So Jonah, we're trying to figure out what his mindset was. 
to go to Nineveh, prophesy, tell them that in 40 days you got this coming. So he says, you know what? I've worked pretty hard, and you know what I need? I need a cruise. So I think I'll go down to Joppa. And preachers have preached this the whole time. You know, when you leave the Lord, you're always going down. But he went down to Joppa and found a ship. And the Bible says that, you know, he went with them. And that number three, it just, so many phrases. Each phrase you can read, a separation, like the door closing. The door's closing. He closed as many doors as he could from the Lord. Each phrase, you can just see a door close, a door close, a door close. And here is God's prophet doing everything he can. I got to get away from here. I got to get away from here. So he gets on a ship and he goes. Now look at, look at with me in chapter 1, the last verse. Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, some have said that God prepared this fish from creation. Me, personally, I don't, I don't believe that. I believe that God prepared this fish when Jonah refused to go. I believe God prepared this fish just as the Bible says. He says, you want to take a cruise? I'll meet you in the middle. So he did. He prepared this. Now... He takes, look, look with me in Jonah 2, and let's read 1 and 2. Now, this is what the Bible says. This is hard to imagine. This is hard to comprehend. But here again, if you believe the Bible, you must believe this. Look at the, look at the words. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Number 2, and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heard my voice. By reason of um, <laughs> wow, I cried by reason of my infliction unto the Lord. I would think he had reason to cry. <laughs> if I'm trapped in a fish, you got that right. I am going to be doing all I can do to clear. You talking about closing doors? I'm going to be opening all the doors I can. I'm going to be crying of reason of my affliction too. Now, number four. Then said I, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again towards thy holy temple. Verse seven. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee into thy holy temple. Now, this is what ministers that I've always loved. It's just the fish women everywhere. How can he know where to look towards the temple? I don't know. I don't know, but I believe it like this, that Jonah just was praying. He just says, I'm praying, I believe it, I'm looking, and he prayed just as if that God had heard his prayer from the time it left his lips, that he had made it to the temple, that he had prayed, he had said it. Now, he prayed, he's he's literally when this was written, I don't know, but these thoughts was in when he was literally inside the fish. And you think, you know, we want a reason. How could he breathe? How could you last? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Trust me, I don't want to know. All that I know is this is a Bible and I'm going to take it for how it is. But the Bible says that this was Jonah's mindset when he was in the belly of the fish. Now, this is why that I believe that Jonah made everything right. And if Jonah ever preached a message to runners, it is the next verse. And if you see someone, like I say, and I try not to just tell you or, or just push my thoughts on you. But if ever, and this is why I took so long to start with, to try to get us in the mindset of Jonah. But two and eight is why I believe that Jonah come to his senses. For two and eight says, they that observe lying vanities 
forsake their own mercy. Lion vanities is idols. Now, when he rode with the people on the ship over, the Bible talks about them going to sleep. And they wake him up and say, what are you doing? He goes down. The Bible even makes mention that he goes down in the ship. He's doing everything he can to get away. And they find him asleep. And they almost, as what we would say, rebuke him. We're fighting for our life, and you are asleep. If you have a God, then you call on him. And they're, you know, they're just pagan. They've prayed to their gods, and they're fighting for their life. And they say, pray to your God. So he tells them he's a Hebrew. And then he tells them, you know, I'll pray to my God, you know, and that made the sea and what I find almost hilarious and the dry land. And then he, and then he tells them, but he says, and what this means is what I believe it's saying. They that observe lion vanities, when he was totally consumed at this point, with no way out. It ain't like he's in here up to here. He is consumed. No way out. He said, if I trust in anything other than the Lord, then the mercy that's been allotted unto me, I forfeit. So runners that has ran away from God, we call them backsliders. People that has left God, they don't realize the mercy that God has allotted unto them. They trust in other things. The Bible, he called them idols or lying vanities because you put your trust in them. But Jonah is saying, just like the sailors on the ship trusted in other things other than the true God, saying, I will put my trust in this to save me. God said, you're forsaking your own mercy. And here he is consumed at this point. And he says, if I trust in any other thing, then the mercy that God has allotted for me, I forfeit. So that's why I believe that Jonah came to his senses and realized that God is literally my only way out. That's why I believe that regardless of what happened, that's why he still had an attitude at the end, but I believe that he came to himself and realized my only way is to get out of here and go do the mission that God has called me. Because if I don't, the mercy that God's allotted to me will be forfeited, and that I do not want to do. So, number 10, the last verse. And the Lord spake to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon what? The dry land. And there's been comment made, where did it put him? Well, me, where did he catch the ship? Here again, I go back to mercy. He boarded it in Joppa. God could have spoke to him and said, you dump in in the middle of the Mediterranean. But God is not like that. I personally believe he put him on the coast of Palestine where he boarded the ship. But he's still 500 miles. But he's right back where he started. And does it that the way that we're done? If we fight an issue and we say, I can't do this and walk away when we come back, what's the first thing we have to conquer? That issue. God said, you think this is hard. Now, when he come back, he might have been a little ticked about the way he had to get there. But he was ready to go to Nineveh because God had offered him mercy unbelievable that he had put him out back upon the dry land. Where? We have no way to know. But I believe in God's mercy that he put him back somewhere close to where he got on the boat. Just me. I believe he put him out close to Joppa, right back where he boarded the ship at. Now, Jonah 3, read with me, 1 through 5. And the word of the Lord, here we go again, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto them the preaching, what? That I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, 
And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God. That is what I find ironic. It don't say they believed Jonah. It says they believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Now, here it is. They take, Jonah goes in. Verse 4 says, When he entered into the city a day's journey, he cried and said unto them, Okay, you've got 40 days. 40 we know in the Bible is test. You're going to be tested 40 days. After that, if you hadn't met this challenge, your city is going to be through with. When you read in Nineveh, the city, it's vast. The walls, uh, uh, hist- historians tell us, was 100 feet high, very wide. This is what I find unbelievable. It said there was 1,500 towers at 200 feet high. The city was vast. These was nothing but pure warriors. And it's unreal just how vast the city was. And here you got this madman probably going through and telling them your city that can't even be penetrated is fixing to be overthrown. And they believe him. Or the Bible says they believe God. Now, I don't know what he was doing. I don't know if he was flipping or walking on his hands or have God anointed him with such an anointing or I don't know. But I believe it was Jonah saying, you know what, I ain't going back to no fish. God gave me a message, and buddy, this message will be delivered. And when he went in with such a message that they saw that this man was serious. So he goes in, he's telling the people this, they listen to him, and he says, and look at the, uh, the last verse on chapter 3. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he said that he would do unto them and he did it not. Now, stay with me. Okay, verse, or excuse me, chapter four. I'm gonna read uh, four, one through five. But get this. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry. That's what I said, this anger issue. He's still ticked. Chapter 2, he says this incredible statement. But he's still got this anger issue. He was very angry. And he prayed in the Lord and said, basically my word, number two, I told you this before I ever left. You know, he's getting to the point that he's, he's out there. And said, I pray thee, Lord, was this not my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled before unto Tarsus, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Jonah said, I told you before I ever left that I know that you would do this. Now, that was Jonah's prayer to God. But I'm telling you, I do not believe that was all they was to it. I believe there was something in Jonah that was going on. Now, three. Now, therefore, O Lord, I beseech thee, here he is just like Elijah, take my life from thee. You want these people? Fine, you can have them. You just take me on. Don't even let me see it. Take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? And Jonah went out of the city, sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. Why did he even pick Jonah? I don't know. I don't really know. But here again, God doesn't owe us an explanation. Jonah's fighting with himself with everything he's got. I don't want to be here. I don't want to go. But God says, you are the man. I chose you for this. You are the one that I wanted to send. Now, evidently, it worked. Whatever Jonah did, whatever the calling, whatever amount of anointing, whatever was on him, it worked. But here again, as a minister would say, when the anointing lifted, the first thing Jonah did was grab his lawn chair build him a booth and say, okay, 
Now it's my turn to watch. I'm going to get me a calendar and I'm going to X off the days because in 40 days, I'm going to watch y'all spill blood. You have spilled enough blood. Now I'm going to watch it. So he, he's still not taking it good. And he's, he even tells the Lord, you know what? I don't even want to be here. I don't even want to be here. Just take me on. Just take my life. I don't even want to be here. So in 9 and 10, the Lord says to Jonah, and God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Now, the thing of it is, verse 9, those are the last words of Jonah. Verse 9 is literally, God asked him a question. Do thou well to be angry for the gourd or the plant that I put over there? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. See, he's still... In other words, Jonah tells God, I ain't getting over it. I'm still mad. And God said, do you well to be angry? In other words, do you have a reason for your anger? And Jonah tells him, I ain't getting over it. I do well. I do well. And he says, this is what the Lord, if we will listen will always tell us. The Lord will always, even in our anger. Then the Lord said to him, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, which thou hast not labored, neither made its grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. What he's telling them, the part that I didn't read, the gourd was a plant. When he sat down, the Bible says that the God sent a, a plant, we know it grew up, and, and God said, I can't believe it, Jonah. You take, a plant grows up, it perishes, and then you are angry because something that you literally had no effort in, you put forth no labor, and you're angry. And I send a wind, and I blow a, this great wind, and the sun beats down on your head. And then you tell me you're still ticked off and you still want to cash it in and leave. You just want to give it up and go. But then Lord tells him in verse 11, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern their right hand from their left hand and also much cattle. This hearing is literally mercy. What God is telling him, you, Jonah, this 120,000 people that cannot discern their right hand from their left is speaking of the children. And God said, you would condemn the children over something that their parents did. But you, Jonah, you would have more pity on a plant that came up in a day and perished in a night. And you're still angry and you're saying you would condemn 120,000 children for something that their parents did. And God said, this is what I'm going to do. The 120,000 children for what their parents did, I am going to save the children over what their parents did because at your teaching, they believed me and they repented. So I am going to take and I am going to save the children and the parents over what the parents did. And Jonah was still so angry. Now, I don't know what caused all of this anger in him. I don't know if it was personal. I don't know if they had killed someone. The Assyrians had killed someone so close to him that he just could not let it go. But he had enough sense to know that I will not look nowhere else for my help other than the Lord. Because I will forsake my own mercy. Jonah was a prophet. He had enough sense to know that. But God is saying, I sent you to these people, someone who is a sworn enemy of Israel, to give them a message. And you, in return, tell me that you would condemn children. 
that don't even know their right hand from their left, meaning they can't even discern right from wrong. They don't even know, but you would condemn them, but yet you would have mercy on a plant. God said, you, you know. So, I don't really know, but one thing I do want to share with you, like I say, I'm just speculating. I don't really, I don't really know. The Bible says, let me find it. In Matthew twelve thirty-eight-39, certain of the scribes and the Pharisees, that's why I call them, I hope I'm not doing wrong in your sight, that's why I call them the righteous brothers. Nobody was rebuked more in Scripture than the Pharisees, and I'm being 100% honest, nobody was rebuked more. They thought they was so righteous. Everyone else was looked down on. And the scribes and the Pharisees answered, Master, we would see a sign from thee. And you know, if I was Jesus, I would say, you have got to be kidding. All that I have done, the miracles that has took place, and you ask me for a sign? But Jesus, Jehovah in the Old Testament, could have told Jonah, 800 years from now, speaking to Jonah, 800 in years from now, the righteous brothers is going to ask me for a sign. And you know who I'm going to tell them? The only sign they're going to get is you, Jonah. This is going to be the only sign that I tell them of. And he answered and said unto them, this is what he called the righteous brothers. He said, you are evil and adulterous. Now, the Lord's quoting this. That is a very serious accusation that is spiritual terms. Seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. He could have told Jonah that. 800 years from now, you know what? You are going to be the one that I talk about. You are going to be the one. I don't know that he did, but this I know. God said, that's it. This is going to be the only sign you get. Some will say that Jonah died in the fish and was resurrected the third day. I don't believe that. And I'm not trying to be harsh in my words. I believe it's just the opposite. I believe it, it is an illustration that is so hard to comprehend, comprehend that I think it's just literally the opposite, that this is something that would take your life. Just as God, when he gave his life, the enemy thought they had took his life. And what is our life? It's a death, burial, and what? Resurrection, life. They thought they had killed our Lord, but they had not. It's all about life. So just as Jonah went down into the belly of the fish and came out in three days, it's not about dying, it's about living. So that is what I believe the connection is that God was making to him. So... He tells him, I want to read one more, um, just connection. Let me see. This, I didn't give this to them, but I'll just read it to it. Um, this is when Jesus was rejected at Nazareth. You know this. In Luke, when the Bible records, when the Lord goes into the temple or synagogue and he picks up, the Bible to read, and he reads from Isaiah. Listen to me. Did you know that in his ministry, that is the first time Jesus spoke? You read in Luke. Everything in the Bible, the only thing recorded before that is when Jesus was tempted in the desert, he spoke to the devil. But when he goes literally into the temple, when he speaks in his public ministry, this is the first time he speaks. And what he reads is from Isaiah. But the part that I want, he speaks of five things that the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed him to do. 
And the last thing he says, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now, I looked as much as I could find on that and what literally that means, bruised. Literally, to set at liberty, literally means that you're parting, you're set free. It means of a weight being taken off you. And I believe literally this is what happened to Jonah. This is just a theory of mine. Like I say, nothing would make a prophet of the Lord do to the extent that he did. But God said, I came to set at liberty those that are bruised. This bruised is a two-way street. It's broken hearts and broken bodies. And it literally means, it goes back to Jeremiah when they're put on the potter's wheel, when he took a vessel that had been broken and mended back together. He didn't discard the vessel. It's an earthenware that had been broken. Uh, fractured and put back together. So I don't really know truly what the issue was with Jonah, but I don't believe it was trivial. I believe it was deadly something serious. For we know from the scripture that I believe that Jonah, I don't want to say he was a work in progress, but I, I can truly say that he had anger issues even to the end. But I believe that he, as James said about Elijah, he was a man just like us, that he had issues that he faced just like us. But the incredible thing of it is, if I observe lying vanities, I forsake my own mercy, and I don't want to do that. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.